and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man whose choice to be Team Swift in the Kanye feud has aged quite well. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? <laughs> no doubt about that, but regardless, I'm coming out this week. I'm coming out of the gate hot with an ultimate, my ultimate boomer Ooh. hot take, all right? And I say this with full knowledge that we have a weekly podcast about a very bad baseball team that we are still doing in the offseason. But the only thing more boring than watching soccer is regular season NBA. <laughs> oh, man. It strays everywhere, Cody. It's <laughs> <laughs> coming out the gate hot. That's all I got. I was watching the World Cup. I was like, how do you... You people complain about baseball, and you sit here, and you watch scoreless ties, and you watch just nothing happen, which is kind of like, I mean, at least something's going on in the regular season NBA, but I mean, at least people are attempting to play defense in this soccer sport. Uh, A quick little tangent on NBA regular season. Even the players and coaches don't care about it, so that's when I... (laughs) When I when I say that <laughs> right, there's an right. urgency problem, there's an urgency problem in baseball a lot of times. NBA regular season, there's an urgency problem. That's why they're trying to come up with gimmicks like midseason tournaments for draft positions and all that stuff. So urgency. Baseball, we're sitting here worried about you know more run scoring, more action. I, how about we get rid of the offsides rule in <laughs> soccer? Maybe we'd actually see some goals. You know. I come hope on. there's some pushback from this. I want soccer guy to come uh, to to come in and in the comments or add us or something i do have one quick soccer tangent actually i do not like soccer guy that like every four years is like oh you guys don't even really know the sport i've been watching this every saturday morning at 7 a.m for my entire life and there's like this uppity attitude about it it's like relax bro like it's the world's event that's been like everyone I've talked to for the last three weeks suddenly is a soccer expert and suddenly always watches soccer. It's like, number one, I don't think you do. <laughs> number two, yeah, the the few people that actually do are yeah. so high. It's kind of like it's kind of like at the three. gym in like January. I always kind of think like you know people are trying to better themselves. Maybe not complain about the gyms being a little being more like have a little perspective. Hey, you love soccer. More people are into it right now. It's a good thing going to be here in four years or whatever so anyway tangent over baseball uh we haven't talked in a couple weeks cody there's been you know a little bit of a little bit of news for the tigers and this is kind of a lead up into winter meetings the first such winter meetings under the scott harris era but first um it's expected but it also is a little bit refreshing to hear so we can kind of put it to bed and we can contextualize it properly in the moment miguel cabrera i guess there was a little bit of catch language in there but miguel cabrera's last season will be 2023 so we got that from the horse's mouth uh he's gonna finish out his contract like we all like he said he would and like we all kind of knew but now it's now it's basically official uh Miguel Cabrera announcing that last week and from my perspective Cody from a sentimental you know fan perspective like I said it's like refreshing now we can do the 
he can be honored at all the ballparks if he if you know if that's something he's into there could be a nice miguel cabrera day on the last homestand uh he can go out with uh with uh, with proper accolades and respect from a pure baseball perspective it's going to be a drag of another part of a year so we're going to spend the much of 2023 kind of weighing those two things uh we did get a little bit of a glimpse of not best shape of his life but working out differently to be more flexible and to uh you know you know maybe put those injuries off a little be able to manage the pain a little bit more you know typical offseason stuff but we get it officially basically miguel cabrero is entering his final season his final spring training his final everything as a professional baseball player for the detroit tigers i thought i got my hot takes out of the way and we were going to spend the rest of this pod like dispelling hot takes i was wrong i got what like why like why is this how many different news cycles are we going to go through? And, you know, like <laughs> everyone, his last season, no way. You're telling me he's not, no one's going to pick him up for 2024. <laughs> we knew this. We knew this. The only, the only speculation was if he was actually going to play this season. And here's my new, here's my new point. That's very interesting. July 28th through 30th, the Tigers play in Miami which could be a very fitting send-off for Miguel and the place he calls his off-season home and the place uh, where his career obviously began. Will Miguel Cabrera still be playing Major League Baseball for the Detroit Tigers by July 28th? I think that's an interesting question. That's something to watch. Hmm. That's a sudden over-under right there. Well, so 2023 is going to be his last season for a well tour. I, I'm just not sold that he makes it through the whole season. Despite maybe he's going to be more flexible yep. or whatever. That's also, I mean, good that he's, like, attempting to work out, but, like, come on. I need you to go down to Miami, sort of like what you did with Badu in Georgia last year. I need you to go down to Miami and follow Miguel Cabrera around his yoga regimen and, uh, <laughs> and do, do a st- Something tells me I might not survive <laughs> a weekend with Miguel in Miami. Hey, man, if you're going to do it, do it right, as they say. Uh... So yeah, I mean that not much more to add to that. It's it it was always going to be a thing, but with Miguel Cabrera, I was just one of those things where I was like, is this gonna, or if we're gonna have to drag this on any longer than we need to, and it looks like we won't have to. So, yeah, uh, no, the I mean we're gonna go through probably at least two more of these news cycles. I spring training, we'll ask him about this being his last year, and I for some reason it'll be a story again, and no, we're not. We're not done with every national sports account having like a tweet about Miguel Cabrera saying something we all already knew. I am, I would put good odds on him at one point saying the phrase "We'll see," like he might back it back out of it a little bit. Oh, imagine if Miguel's hitting like three hundred <laughs> after April with like three home runs. You know, Are you sure this is your last year? You know, to... oh man, poor AJ if that happens. But anyway, um. Actual Tigers news. Actual Tigers news. There is a return. The return of Matthew Boyd. One-year contract, $10 million. And when this happened, obviously I don't know Matthew, but I know of him, and you've spoken highly of him. I thought good for him. Good for him. 
uh, you know, I'm sure he actually does love being in Detroit, playing in Detroit. You know, there was that one-year hiatus. I think had things gone better for him health-wise, he probably would not have left. Maybe, I don't know. The good for Matthew. And also, Cody, this is a pro-labor podcast, is it not? So, therefore, Matthew Boy gets a one-year contract for a pay increase. Therefore, pro-labor podcast, good for Matthew Boy. Got himself a couple extra bags. Happy for him. I did not expect this move to be the thing that kind of killed the Scott Harris honeymoon. I did not expect it. I thought, I was like, I, I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, you know, he probably thought, obviously he probably likes him. They, you know, they brought him into San Francisco last year. That didn't work out. But, you know, they brought him in and he probably, you know, he probably likes him. Obviously, there's some sort of player value that he assesses to Matthew Boyd. And then he brings him back to Detroit. And he's probably thinking, you know, bring him on a one-year deal, all these other things that we're trying to do with the roster. This might be a nice PR move. Everyone loves Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd's a great guy. I know Twitter ain't real life, but my God was the reaction so far out of the realm of what I expected. I mean... We're already drawing comparisons to Alavila because he signed Matthew Boyd to a one-year contract. Uh, you, you crunched the numbers very well, Cody, on in your story in the Athletic. Uh, what what do you what do you make of this move? Because I it doesn't bother me because you know ten million dollars is salary cap. It's not a salary cap league, I should say. And we're gonna get into this a little bit more. It probably might end up actually looking like a decent deal monetarily as the offseason progresses, but I don't want to step on your toes here. So what do you think? So many thoughts. It's been really hard to <laughs> distill. I guess we Scott should have his actual honeymoon coming up. Let's hope he doesn't uh, <laughs> make a move to upset his wife like he upset Tigers fans <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, all right. Let's return to a point of rationality. I think... I understand the vitriol from the fan base, who all we've talked about is new era, new blood, fresh thinking, and your first major move is not only to sign a pitcher who was part of the uh, darkest hours, as Alavila said, of yeah. this franchise, a field but rebuild. to sign him for almost twice what he made the last time he was here, when he was healthy. Optically, that's not great. I get it. I understand why if you're a fan and you've been sold all this on Scott Harris and I've wrote it and there's a plan here with everything that's going on and then this is the move, I get that. At the same time, it's not as bad as it seems. It's a one-year deal. You're going to get a starting pitcher who, despite giving up a lot of home runs, has a track record of being serviceable and sometimes a lot better than serviceable. Sometimes really good. Sometimes pretty bad um but a guy who's great in the clubhouse great in the community i know you can't quantify that but if you look at it if matthew boyd and you can read my story or look at my my tweet Fangraphs has a dollar per war metric generally one win above replacement still gets you close to eight million on the marketplace especially kind of at the lower end of the market uh so if matthew boyd is worth 1.5 to two wins above replacement which he's done 
think, four times in his career already. This is a fine deal from a monetary standpoint. There is the possibility of you trade him at the deadline. There is the possibility that, you know, goes well one year, whatever, then we move on, then we get some more, uh, uh, the, the fresh blood. So I don't think it's, you know, worth being completely up in arms about. It's a one-year deal. I think it's, like everyone else, when I first saw this news and when I first saw it was $10 million, uh friend of the pod, Scott Boris, didn't tip me off on this for some reason. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I was like, whoa, $10 million. And yeah, it, inflation hits hard, right? Uh, mm. Somehow Matt Boyd has barely pitched in two years, was injured, uh, was not a starter, by the way, in his 13 and a half innings in Seattle. He's pitched out of the pin and did well to the point I was like, oh, maybe being in relief makes more sense for him. Gets a raise to come back to the Tigers as a starter. That's crazy. That's why you hire Scott Boris as your agent. Again, good for Matthew. Matthew's one of the favorite guys I've, I've ever covered. Um, I think he will be a welcome presence back around this clubhouse. And on the mound, I do like Boyd more than a lot of people do. Uh, more than another friend of the pod, Mark Gorish likes Mark, Matthew Boyd. <laughs> Because uh, he can miss bats, man. He can get strikeouts. Sky had 11.56 Ks per nine in 2019. Uh, it's fallen off a little bit since then, but he's using the changeup a lot more. And it, since he started using that changeup late in 2020, his numbers have been solid. So I think Matt Boyd, there's, there's a little bit, if you look at the market, like clearly Scott Harris, who signed him last year in San Francisco, thinks there is more upside in Matthew Boyd. Is he right? I don't know, because as, as those who have followed the Tigers, we've all been saying that since 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if Boyd can make this one adjustment, and then you thought he had it in 2019, and then he collapsed. Like, same thing with Daniel Norris. Like, same thing with Jamer Candelario. At what point can we uh, – Willie Castro. At what point do we start stop saying, oh, if this guy does this – you know, that's what was we were supposed to be kind of done with in the Harris era. But if you look at the rest of the market, like, what are the chances Matt Boyd gets you 1.5 to 2 wins above replacement? I think they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could sign Johnny Cueto for probably even more, and Cueto is probably going to get you 2 war, but I don't know if he's going to get you 4 war. And I don't know that Matt Boyd is either, but if you twist your head a little bit, you can see the upside. And clearly, Harris must view this as one of his calculated risks. He must think there's more here with Matthew Boyd. Otherwise, I don't think he makes this move. So in trying to assess this, I tried to be like, all right, why did the Tigers do this? Why did Scott Harris do this? Let's try to explain it. And that's really what I came up with. And when you view it from that lens, uh, I think it's a little easier to swallow. I think assuming Boyd stays healthy, uh, this is not going to be like a financial loss for the Tigers. And it is kind of funny because the, the, the same people who complain, oh, why won't ownership spend? And then I do think you have to spend responsibly. I do right. question when you have a lot of other needs, is this really the best use of your resources? I think that's it, it's a little tough to know until the ro- rest of the roster comes together, until we see what position players are going for on the open market. Um, but in another way, it kind of seems like a sign that Tigers aren't in pinching pennies mode. Otherwise, you probably don't give Matt Boyd $10 million. Yeah, there's a lot of 
ways I'm trying to attack how I feel about this. One of them is that if Scott Harris and the San Francisco Giants infrastructure liked him last year, even coming off the injury, because uh, when did they sign him? They signed him in, what would that have been like? Was that like a oh, June? It was the, no, they signed him in, in the in like spring training. Okay, spring training. Yeah. Okay, so so I'm wrong there. But they liked him enough to bring him in. And in theory, that same sort of analytical infrastructure, at least in part, plus other people that Scott has hired, liked him enough to bring him in so you have to kind of trust the process if you trust scott now if you don't trust scott now then you know just forget what i just said because maybe you just won't trust him secondly this is going to fluctuate a little bit but as of now matthew boyd's going to be paid about the 40 42nd highest salary this season among starting pitchers Hmm. so your 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 fifth guy that you're you know you kind of slotting him in fifth ish or whatever you're paying him around the forty and most starting pitcher it's a one year deal that contextualizes a little bit and the injury thing I know if it's like a season ending that's different but we're just gone now and we'll we might touch on Degrom here in a second but we're just not even worried about like trying to get pitchers through whole seasons like that's just not a thing anymore like <laughs> yeah like so you might as well, Outside of like lingering stuff that like is at, like really concerning, like you might as well just health is always going to suck for pitchers. That's just the way we do baseball now. Um, and also like you know when I was watching MLB Network uh, about the Degrom stuff, your colleague actually uh, Levi Weaver over who covers the Rangers for the Athletic, he he brought up another guy that the Rangers had brought in uh, Jake. I'm going to say this right. Odorizzi? Odorizzi? Um, Odorizzi. Odorizzi. My colleague Chris McCoskey would call him Jake Slow Dorizzi because <laughs> this is a guy who's going to have trouble with the pitch clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not going to get trouble getting paid because he's making $12 million. <laughs> And he was negative war. Now it was point one, but he was negative war last year. And I think the Rangers kind of have him slotted as their fifth starter. And also, you know, if we want to get into the weeds for a second, I think Atlanta, as a part of that trade, is paying like ten million of his twelve million dollars. But you know, whatever, he's still getting paid twelve million. So this move, I think, actually might, just from a pure salary perspective, might actually look a lot better because this is a pre-winter meetings. There's still, I mean, this is before Degrom. Not that they were in the same caliber, but you know, the the market's now reset with the Degrom contract. I think this move might look a little bit better in a month just in terms of like what these other pitchers are getting this might be scott harris getting ahead of the market a little bit now if better players start signing for the same or less then obviously he's gonna look like a fool but that's not typically how it works uh, i don't i mean we've already seen you know which you could debate would you rather have mike clevenger at 12 or matt boyd at 10 both feel like a lot and then the clevenger deal i think looks better after boyd gets 10 you saw Zach Eflin three years at, I think, 13-ish a year. Tyler Anderson on a three-year deal. Pitchers ain't going cheap. If anything, this Boyd deal seems like maybe this is what the floor of the market is. But these other guys, Cueto, Jameson Tyen, like, they're probably all going to be getting more money than Matt Boyd. Yeah, or Which multiple leads years. Me, don't, don't let me forget to circle back to a point regarding another Tigers starter who will make $14 million next year. 
Anyway. Well, I actually was about to go there, so you want to go right. there right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Another thought I had, I was like, does this guarantee Eduardo is going to opt out after this season? I was like, yeah, because you know, for those that he's got, he's got an opt out after twenty three. In twenty four, he's gonna make eighteen. In twenty five, he's gonna make sixteen, and in uh, twenty six, he's gonna make fifteen. So that's forty nine million dollars over three years that he can uh, reset his market from. That would be obviously his baseline. And I. I mean, I I'm kind of step on your toes here. We we did not plan this. We both kind of independently thought it. I kind of think this looks like you might be having two guys entering free agency from your starting rotation uh, at the at this time next year, Cody. I don't. So oh. I think Eduardo Rodriguez should be traded. <laughs> oh, there's a twist. Okay. Back to the hot takes, baby. Let's go. Uh, somehow, we hot takes are not supposed to be our brand. Wow, we're we're everywhere. Um, somehow, fans, media, we all just kind of like missed this. It's like, what trade assets do the Tigers have? Well, they have the bullpen, and they have nothing else. And then you think about it a little deeper, and a deal that has suddenly aged like fine wine, despite Eduardo Rodriguez going AWOL for two months is the Eduardo Rodriguez contract. You're paying Matt Boyd 10 and you're paying Eduardo Rodriguez 14. A great value for a good pitcher. Who even in his stint coming back, was he at 405 ERA, but Eduardo was pretty good after he came back. Uh, and plenty of reason to believe he will be better, assuming he has a more normal year. Also, per the Instagram, uh, we saw some pictures of Eduardo Rodriguez and his wife over Thanksgiving. Not going to oh. dive deep into tabloid territory, but hopefully things are. we wish him well in his personal life. Now, uh, although he does get a raise to uh, $18 million in 2024, 2024, if I am Gene Motto, Eduardo's agent, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, all right, Eduardo, pitch anything close to what you did in 2019. Go put up two and a half, three war at the very least, and... I don't know, go have a four-war season and you're only 29. We're going to opt out. We're going to go get you 5-125 for a contending team because you're going to be worth that. And so if I'm Scott Harris and I'm like, how am I getting hitters to Detroit? I'm like, well, we kind of got to start treating Eduardo like he's on an expiring deal. The relationship with the franchise already is a little weird. But he's a good pitcher. He's a left-hander. I know that there were there were some teams that were interested in him even last summer. Could you trade Eduardo Rodriguez? Is this how you get some bats? And what are you really... I mean, yeah, that hurts your rotation, but what are you really missing out on if you operate under the assumption he's probably opting out? I think yeah. you got to be shopping Eduardo Rodriguez to other teams, and you might just be able to get a pretty good return. Are you and and with that in mind, are you thinking about doing that this week, or are you thinking about doing it during the season? Winter meetings. Yep, this week. Let's let's dive deep into these talks, baby. All right. Yeah, I like that. That's um, it's not outside the box, but it's one of those kind of shrewd thinking moves that you know would fit the Harris profile that that we uh are, we're sold on. 
that now people are selling their Harris stock because of the Matthew Boyd contract, but that's interesting. Maybe Boyd is like, you know, I'm thinking to get trying to get rid of a lefty. Let me bring in a lefty. You know, like there's a lot of pieces at, at play here, and I like it. I like that thinking. Uh, and, and in terms of also assessing the roster as a whole, for whatever it's worth, there's an opt-out also for Javier Baez after uh, after next season, although he would probably have to have a really nice year for that to be the move for him, don't you think? I don't know if he's getting Yeah, and Javier's older. He has this volatile track record. He's going to have a hard time, I think, getting a – like I think Eduardo could easily opt out, get a five-, six-year deal. Um, Javi, if he were to kill it this year, opt out. I still don't know that anyone's like, oh, let's give Javi Baez in his 30s, you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah. I, it's it's pretty hard to see for Javi. Well, okay, so when I look at the roster construction, and your story lays this out so perfectly, if you guys aren't subscribing to The Athletic, of course you should be, and this is one of the reasons why. If you're freaking out about the Matthew Boyd deal, one of the things that I would just remind everybody is that the number one thing you want your favorite team to be across all these sports is flexible. And there's a lot of flexibility coming for the Tigers in 2000, like offseason 2023 going into the 2024 season. Obviously, Miggy's off the books. Uh, scope is off the books. If you can try to trade scope, you know maybe that was something that will try to will come up during the season. Eduardo Rodriguez, in all likelihood, I'm just gonna say it. I mean, I think he's probably an opt out guy just because of these numbers. Now, whether that means you trade him first or you know whatever, there's a lot of flexibility on this roster, more so than I thought actually. Uh, until I, it was kind of laid out in front of me, and then you yeah. can really attack, and then you can really attack and make this. Like, he hasn't had to hire a GM yet. There's so many things that he's having to do sort of on the fly. Then you can really start shaping this roster to your liking, and obviously in combination with with AJ and such. And this probably also leads to a, a couple more sort of, like, creative ways that you've hinted at, written about it, we've talked about on this podcast, of kind of filling out the rest of the roster. I don't think there's going to be any moves. It's not really about spending money for me right now i don't think there's going to be any moves that ruin that flexibility and i think that might be if i'm if i'm guessing what scott harris is sort of like projecting out he's trying to remain as flexible as possible for what i would say like his first real obviously his first year you know running the tigers i think that might be his his mo at this point and i think that's a good thing i think that's exactly what he should be doing just stabilizing the team for this season because you can't sell rebuild but you can't really sell flexibility doesn't get tickets right but at the same time there's a lot of moves that can be made here in the next 12 months yeah no doubt um i think i think one natural question just like for going forward into winter meetings are the tigers going to add another starter you know because there is room to do that or are you going to roll with the Joey wins, Bo Brisky types, and kind of your number four, number five spots in the rotation. Uh, early intel suggests that 
Tigers might be done in the starting pitching market, which I don't know. Given the prices we're seeing, I guess I get it at the same time. Like, so you had one starter and it was Matt Boyd. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I also well, get it. Let's let's give innings to Brisky, to Wentz, to whatever. Yeah. And again, clearly the Tigers believe in Matthew Boyd. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But clearly they're like, this dude can be a solid starter for us. So under that line of thinking, sounds like they might be comfortable, assuming they don't trade Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, <laughs> being, like, being like, all right, we're going to call this good. The rest of the resources are going to position players. Well, again, you and I have talked about this at various points, is that why not just roll with whatever pitching staff at this point and – spend your resources on bats you've obviously that's been the deficiency for this team and you still have guys that you got to figure out and again these guys aren't the same category of the castros and the victor reyes of the world but like you know like you said brisky um you gotta you know how is casey mize rehab gonna go and then the tariff schoolable conversation like there's a there are already kind of set resources into starting pitching now that's not necessarily gonna a lot of them are not a lot of them but several of them are gonna help you out like this year what does spencer turnbull look like yeah, you know like and that's actually a pretty big question because i think we've forgotten how good spencer turnbull can be it sounds it also sounds like his rehab has gone slowly but spencer turnbull could come back and be your number two starter and could be pretty dang good yeah and so to me, so under I that would... idea, the, you know what, as I'm talking it out right now in my head, I guess this is where, like, uh, I almost wish if you're going to sign someone, someone a little more, like, safer than Boyd, but you got pretty good depth, you got Wentz, Brisky, I think those guys are pretty good, I think those guys can be back in Major League starters, you've shown you can optimize pitchers with Fetter, um, so... We'll see, assuming this means you can really, like, devote some more resources to your position player pool. I'm all right with it. Not only that, but we would all say that the more you do a job, especially when it's your first time at a certain level, you learn and then you can improve if you have a good solid base. Who's to say that the Tigers pitching infrastructure, coaching infrastructure, isn't better than it was two years ago? You know? Oh, it should and be. I mean, it's it definitely should be. changed so, a lot in the minors. And now, look, they hired this Robin Lund guy. This dude was a I, – I, hopefully I'll have a story with more in his background. This guy was literally a kinesiology professor, was a volunteer coaching the softball team at the University of Northern Iowa and basically yeah. introduced them to the concept of analytics for a softball team. Gets hired to be a baseball coach at Iowa and is really good at it. And now he's coaching for the Detroit Tigers in addition to Fetter, in addition to all this resources you poured into biomechanics. Like, you already had a really good pitching infrastructure, and, and this Robin Lund hire seems, at the very least, really interesting. It was so, potential to help a lot. Yeah, so obviously, you know, maybe, maybe that infrastructure helps Boyd, because everyone's just going to go back to, like, his last time with the Tigers, which is, you know, the last time he was pitching and on a meaningful, consistent basis. But... The infrastructure, the coaching, the you know, the way alluded to like he feels like he improved a lot in San Francisco despite never pitching an inning for the Giants. So the people he's working with were really smart. Yeah. 
So like that's a, so yeah. Um, if this is like the floor of a starting, it's not gonna bother me. Now we'll get into it in a second, like why like salaries do actually matter. But it it just doesn't bother me. It's not gonna it's not gonna get a rise out of me for a one year deal for a guy that's gonna be good in the clubhouse. And given all the now obviously he's not injury free, but given all the injuries that are just having the pitching staff in a rut right now. You know, it'd be nice to have somebody that's just a little stable. You pay him ten million, and then you know, maybe, like I said, maybe he turns into somewhat of a trade asset. Who knows? But to me, this felt like a, a move that was fine. I also did think I did raise my eyebrows, like you said, when I saw the ten million. But then I was like, nah, whatever. Maybe that's the market. We we don't we still don't really know the market, or at least at the time of the sign, we're getting a little bit better idea. We know the pitching market, and I think it's insanely high. Yeah, and that's well, ultimately yeah. this is ultimately where I land on. It's like two million's a lot, and it's the optics are a little hard to justify, uh, especially as the first move. But it's ultimately not as consequential as it's been made out to be. It's a one year deal for a decent pitcher. It's fine. It's, it's gonna be all right. But that, but God love it because I'm one of them. The Detroit sports fan, they harp on the smallest details. And, yeah. you know, like James talks about obsessing over second-round picks for the Pistons. Yeah. And then Lions fans are always like, who's the undrafted free agent who's going to pop, you know? And and like I said, I'm, I'm one of them too. But this is another and, example and, of well, sort of like a— Well, I do agree. If Al Avila were the GM and this signing was made, people oh, would be losing their mind. Right. I would probably be way more critical of it. <laughs> um. And so I think that's the I think that the reaction was less about Matthew Boyd and it was a projection of like deeper emotions. It was like don't put us through this again. Yeah. You know. Um I I wouldn't let's give Scott more time before we decide who he is or isn't it. But like let's let the rest of this offseason play out. Um I still am of the mindset that like there's a lot going on. He's got a plan and and It'll take more shape if Boyd were the last signing of this offseason rather than the first signing of this offseason. We might not feel so bad about it. Just because you had a boyfriend or girlfriend that cheated on you and said that he or she was working late, just be your next boyfriend or girlfriend working late, they might actually be working late, all right? You don't let the past <laughs> affect the future, okay? It's hard to do. I understand. But you gotta, you got to be able to move forward. Every situation is unique. <laughs> You know, it, it, it just occurred to me, Cody, that I don't, like, actually wish baseball had a salary cap, because obviously that represses wages, but it would be nice, like, if we just knew, like, what the actual line was and how much money there was to spend, it would make, you know, in, your, in some ways your job a lot easier and us talking about it, like, a lot easier, like, instead you're sort of, like, forced to guess and i thought you did a good job kind of calculating this again this is all on the athletic ahead of winter meeting sort of like uh where are the tigers at financially um or what they're tied to financially i should say um with different contracts and what what's on the books getting off the books you know that kind of thing and you estimated that based just on like last season's payroll the tigers had a about what, 30 to 40 million that they would spend that would just kind of keep them at the line they were last year and if if there were a reason to be like really anti the boy deal it would be okay so now 
25 to 33 percent of what your allowed budget is is taken up by this move that comes with some risk like we just talked about i every single time we have to talk about i'm just actually really tired of it too another reason why a uh salary cap would be good i just kind of get tired of talking about resources like with the tigers it's it's a very old i wish we just didn't have to talk about it like not that i would advise any like owner although it would be interesting shout out to the guys in uh in arlington that just like open up the checkbook forever but like i just get tired of having to like deal with well is tigers ownership you know putting the clamps on a little bit here or they you know like i just i don't like having to talk about that but we gotta talk about it so resources have been repeatedly told to us are non-issue that being said we have winter meetings coming up uh you're gonna be in san diego for those i think we're off to a pretty good start with a couple contracts including the jacob Degrom one which you know maybe we'll you know opine here in a second what are your kind of expectations for winter meetings, and are we going to have to hear the term resources out of Scott Harris's mouth again? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think another another sign that the, the honeymoon phase is a little over, I think even from a media standpoint, it's going to be a little bit less, Scott, tell us about how smart you are, and more like, all right, bro, we got to get a couple answers. Are you going to pursue another pitcher, like yes or no? Is your pay, like, Here's the thing. I wrote the the payroll article, not to say the Tigers should spend more, not to say the Tigers should spend less. It's a very objective piece of journalism. It's like an accounting of, here's what the payroll is. Like, if you want to know, here's what you got, you know. Here's what they spent last year. Here are the facts. Uh, But what we don't, we've really gotten no indication on is, is the payroll going to be more than last year, less than last year, the same uh, has Scott been given a number from ownership? Has ownership said, Scott, do whatever you want? Like, we don't, we've just gotten the vague resources are available. And I plan to at least attempt to get a little more of an idea so that when we're projecting who else could the Tigers sign, we, we have an idea of what we're working with. I don't think the Tigers are going to go crazy like the Rangers, clearly, because uh, they're probably not close enough to contention and they spent somewhat big last year and it didn't work um and i've i've kind of said and reported i think they could be more active than maybe they've been given credit for it can be in the market for some mid-tier guys i already spent 10 mil on maddie boyd uh so does that mean they've used up 30 percent of those resources or does that mean uh screw it you know we're willing to overpay a little bit to get some quality ball players in here maybe not stars but quality dudes um that's the question I think it, it, we need to leave winter meetings uh, with having answered, whether that's through Harris having actually made tangible moves or whether it's through just giving a more firm idea of like, all right, you, you whacked everybody. You got rid of Jamer and Willie and Harold. Like, who are you bringing in and how are you bringing them in? Um, that's another, yeah, yeah, that's another thing too. Like, I, I understand it's a you know, it's still a relatively short amount of time. There's going to be plenty of moves that will be made afterward. But I would like a sense of how the organization is viewing 2023 coming out of winter meetings. You know, because that's a really good point, actually. 
even though like, I brought it up earlier, but I think it kind of needs to be stated out outright again. So you axe Jamer, and then you get rid of two utility guys in Harold and Willie Castro. We talked about before, and Victor Reyes will you know throw in there as well. We talked about before like the amount of that bats you know and, that you're replacing. There needs to be there's a reshaping going on of this roster, and depending on the kind of player that you bring in is going to tell me. All right, we're just I don't know punting is the right word, but we're you know we're kind of punting on 2023. Or are you just going to like try to put together a competitive baseball team, see what happens, see what the, how these players do, and then you know let the chips fall where they may. I'd like to get a better idea of that because you know Scott, to his credit has at times been rather specific about like you know just like the type of player he's trying to bring in with the left-handed infielder right-handed outfield bat when you're when you when you narrow it down that much i would like to think that there's actually going to be something come out of that so uh, that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for answers in like a broader term than obviously what a reporter would be looking for is this is this going to be is this your second winter meetings or first yeah, second. There's one in 2019. That was the first I attended, and there have not been actual winter meetings since then. So for for everyone in baseball, I think uh, they're going to be excited to go to this. Well, well, okay. Well, then why don't you kind of help the listeners get a sense uh, for what what these what winter meetings, which is as vague a term as you could possibly name something like what what is winter meetings like consist of what's uh, what's the energy? What's the vibe? What are you? What are you gonna be doing? Like, how how does all that work? Yeah, it's really weird. You get together <laughs> at the Hyatt in San Francisco or in uh, San Diego, and there's a, a massive lobby, and everyone in the world stands around from reporters to kids in suits that don't fit, trying to get jobs in analytics departments <laughs> to just like. Sometimes there'll be, you know, generally the teams are up in their their hotel suites, you know, talking to each other, talking to agents, making moves. Every now and then, team personnel will walk down. There are agents all around. There are, um, there there are more formal things that kind of happen that no one talks about. Like there's like a jobs fair, and there's like a, uh, you know, it's baseball technology companies set up stands and basically try to make their pitches to to teams or instructors or whatever it may be. Obviously you have the rule five draft, you have meeting, the league has meetings. I think the union has meetings. The uh, baseball writers chapter has meetings. Uh, there's a media workroom where, yeah, it's, it's a lot of sit and wait for something to happen and hope you can like quote unquote network. So it's a little bit weird. Uh, there's also a lot of going out at night, uh, drinking beer <laughs> and socializing. So, um, but I, it's, it's, so again, like GM meetings, I really enjoyed because it was like a smaller scale of winter meetings. It was like a little bit more, not just a, a, a madhouse. Uh, winter meetings, I feel like is a little bit of a madhouse, but there are certain benefits to actually being in the same physical proximity to people across the industry. And I think that's a reason a lot of deals tend to get done in winter meetings. It's just easier to do when you're actually physically near other executives near agents um you're, you're talking to a lot of people and things tend to happen who like who from the tigers will likely like be there like what um 
it'll be a little bit of an interesting question to see how things go under the new regime, like who they bring. 2019, you had Al Avila, David Chad, Dave Littlefield, Ron Gardenhire. I'm sure Sam Minzen was there. And then they, you know, the special assistants came in, you know, like Jim Leland and Alan Trammell were there. Um, I think a lot of people come just to, just to come just because they can, you know? So I would assume your, your front office brass for sure. You know, AJ obviously will be there. Uh, I'll be curious to, to know if any other coaches are going to be there. I have no idea. Um, you know, will Harris invite like more front office staffers, fewer front office staffers? Does it really matter? But that's kind of a general sense of, of what it'll look like. You'll see Scott, Jay Sartori, Sam Minzen. Uh, I'd imagine Ryan Garko will probably be there. I think anyone else who's there is there just to just to say hi and, and or, you know be in the room. But again, Maybe from for, the north for the, the Midwest, uh, gets a good weather. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, for the for some of the people in the comments, my stories. If Jim Leland is there in the room, it doesn't mean he's running the Tigers. It means like, <laughs> hey Jim, want to come to winter meetings? Oh yeah, sure. And he is just chilling and occasionally might chime in with an opinion. It's okay. It's all right. Jim Leland's there. He should be there. He's Jim Leland. Let the man do what he wants. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see whether they get him a smoking room or not. Uh, we're going to get the draft lottery, though. That's that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm not excited by that at all, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, oh, good. It's, a, it's, I mean, it's, first, it's something yeah. else. That's something else that will tangibly happen. Like, are uh, they going to. Many uh, people are going to tune in on TV to watch the MLB draft lottery, unfortunately. But. Well, I don't know. Like, is there. Are they going to, like, do it like uh, like the NBA where they let, like, somebody in or a couple people in with, like, you know, check your phones at the door and then to, you know, know the ping pong process is, is on the up and up. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of curious how they handle it. They give yeah. you guys any heads up on that? Uh, I really don't have much of an idea. You know, it is a, of course, a weighted lottery. The Tigers have, where is it? The Tigers have a 7.5% chance of getting the number one pick. They are sixth in the draft lottery. So, you know, we'll see what happens. They could end up uh, in typical Detroit fashion, landing a little lower or decent chance they get they get they pick higher than six um it doesn't even i don't think we even know if they're officially using like ping pong balls or what so it'll be a little interesting to see how they do it yeah and you know another thing that's you know look i'll give i'll give major league baseball some credit uh, obviously this is a heightened uh attention time anyway but you know the lottery is something new we'll see you know how exciting or lack thereof that is then you have like you know some hall of fame stuff going on and including the contemporary baseball era committee and if you guys miss the players that are eligible to get inducted via this way it's albert bell barry bonds roger clemens don mattingly fred mcgriff dale murphy rafael palmero and kurt schilling I'm trying to look up uh, you have to you have to get 75% of the 16 member committee in order to be inducted and I don't know if there's a limit on how many can get in there or I whatever say, but, isn't it is is it true that only 3 can get in through this I'm trying to I feel like I saw it on MLB network but now I 
voters can select anyone anywhere from zero to three. So that makes it tough for players to get 12 votes. Yeah, okay, so it's kind of baked into the cake there. Yeah. You got to, obviously, besides, like, Barry Bonds, we'll, we'll just take out Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens from this discussion because, obviously, they're Hall of Famers just based on uh, on the field play. We know why they've fallen. Yeah, any leans on Madeline McGriff, Murphy, uh, Palmero kind of is in the same category as the other two. And then yeah, Kurt I, Schilling, I think I think everyone on this list is a Hall of Famer. I'd, I'd say if there's anyone who's not, it's probably Don Mattingly. Had Mattingly not played for the Yankees, I'm not sure he would be as 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 revered as he mm. is. But Dale that's Murphy, a, that's a warm take. That's a warm take. Uh, I like it. Yikes! Dale Murphy, two time MVP. I think he's a Hall of Famer. A lot of people think Fred McGriff is going to be the guy to get in. Uh, and maybe he benefits from this ballot because a lot of people probably aren't going to want to pick the steroid guys, and so then you you whittle it down. And it's like, okay, how do we feel about Schilling personally, Albert Bell? Like, like I think Fred McGriff is probably the most likely to get in. That seems to be the consensus. If I were on this committee, which I'm not, I would vote Bonds. I would vote Clemens. And then the third one, man, I'd be really torn. I mean, Palmero, I'd, I'd vote Palmero. Um but I think McGriff should get in. I think Murphy should get in. Schilling, like his politics, makes it tough to want to like vote for him. But his politics shouldn't really matter. Uh, so I think he should probably get in. Uh, Albert Bell, Mattingly, I, I'd have to be sold a little harder. But they have good cases. What I think is interesting is the committee itself. Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell. A uh, host of executives, including Theo Epstein, um, Kenny Williams, and then three media members, Stephen Hurt, Lavelle Neal of Minnesota, Susan Slusher of San Francisco. Um, I'm, I'm a mixed bag when it comes to, like, this committee with, like, so many players because a lot of times, I don't know, a lot of times players have, are pretty skewed. Like, Russell Westbrook was, like, considered, like, better than Giannis for like years and it's like no he's 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 just not by players he was considered better than Giannis and it's just not factually accurate um there is an element where it's like the guys that played the game decide like I understand that you know I I did ask I interviewed Ron Kittle a couple years ago and this was right after Trammell had been elected to the Hall of Fame and obviously he played against you know all those guys uh from the 80s tigers and he said i asked him i was like is the whitaker a hall of famer and he said yeah you know if it trammels in then yeah whitaker's a hall of famer and uh not to say that i like disagree with like what he's saying but part of me also says like you know if you gotta like phrase it like that you know, like, maybe you're not. And then also, like, if you've fallen off the ballot, like, the whole Veterans Committee thing, like, because I, for my work, I go through, like, Hall of Famers, baseball statistics, all this stuff, like, a lot. And sometimes I think, like, like, Gil Hodges a couple years ago. Did we need 50 years of evidence to determine whether he was a Hall of Famer or not? You know what right. I mean? Like, and, and part of me kind of thinks, like, if they've fallen through the process maybe they're not a hall of famer and i almost feel bad saying that because of the whitaker conversation uh you know morris and trammell and then 
you know, like guys I, you know, I would love to see Fred McGriff in the Hall of Fame. I would love to see Don Mattingly in the Hall of Fame, you know, my family, you know, that Donnie Baseball, a lot of New York Yankee fans in my life, and that's all they had for a long time of that generation was Don Mattingly. But it's also like, I just don't know. I just don't know if you can get me there. Like Dale Murphy, like we say like, oh, he's a two-time MVP. How was he not in the Hall of Fame? It's like, well, he had a long time for someone to make his case. And it didn't happen. And obviously the Bonds, the Palmeros, and the and the Shillings and the Clemens ones that, you know, had nothing to do with like, oh, is he a Hall of Famer? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'll be very interested to see what this committee does because there's it's going to be more precedent set moving forward. I also kind of think if Harold Baines gets in, then we're just going to let a lot of people in. <laughs> yeah. I think Don Mattingly had a really short peak. He had, what, four really good years, and it's, you know, it wasn't was anything amazing beyond that. And you could kind of say the same about Dale Murphy. Um, well, I'm looking at this. Yeah, this this is my, my hot take. I'm not, I'm not putting Donnie Baseball in. I'm not putting him in. Yeah. I think Lou Whitaker no, has a I better mean, Hall case than Don Mattingly. I think your Yankees one part of it is spot on, though. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's we're going to see more pushes for, like, the Thurman Munsons of the world and, and all that stuff, you know, to get in. And I don't know. We're probably just, you know, back in my day, you actually had to get in the Hall of Fame, not just wait for some other committee to get you in. So, I don't know. It'll I'm be super, a super interested. Like who's like who's Jack Norris gonna vote for? You know, yeah. Who's Jack out of this list. Like you know, Jack's an opinionated guy, and he played against most of these dudes. And I don't know for sure his take on steroids, but some of these players, I'm sure, are gonna be very. Oh, I didn't use steroids, so I'm not putting any of these steroid dudes in. Mm-hmm. And we're, and some of them are probably gonna be like, no, I played against Barry Bonds. He's the best player ever. He's getting my vote. Uh. I just, I just think it's really interesting, you know, because I could see a guy like Morris being like, I'm not voting for any of these guys. Or I could see a guy like Morris being like, this is the toughest decision ever because these are all tremendous baseball players who I really respect. Yeah. And Fred McGriff kind of seems like a guy who might be like a baseball man's baseball man, too. So yeah, that, that, too. So, yeah, well, it'll be very interesting to see. Anything else, Cody, you wanted to wanted to get to before your travel and schedule gets more hectic? No, hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about next week. I'm not sure exactly if the tigers are going to make I, I get the sense the tigers from here on out probably wait out the market a little bit but it's not what they did with matthew boyd so we'll see if we actually have multiple moves to discuss i think at the very least we'll have uh we'll have plenty to talk about this time next week yeah absolutely and you can follow cody for all his tidbits and anecdotes and updates on twitter at cody stabenhagen i'm at kieran underscore steckley our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe to The Athletic so you can get these in-depth pieces that we discuss on this podcast all the time. And um, it's a great resource for any sports fan to be a subscriber to The Athletic, in my opinion. So I want to thank everybody for listening. For Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.